Hi, I'm Molly. And I'm Robin. And this is... Home is where the murder is. Well, howdy there. Hey, everybody. Guess what today is? It's a day. It's June 14th, which is the same day that this is actually being released because we took a mental health day on Monday because we had a really rough weekend. It was a long weekend. So we apologize. So we know a lot of people really look forward to our Monday releases. But let me tell you, there was just no way it was happening. We couldn't do it. We had our Montcorp frolic. Yeah, no, we had the Montcorp frolic. Couldn't pull it together. The frolic is a big carnival. And there's a parade and there's bingo and there's just so much beer and food and we were in a mental health coma is kind of how I call it. It was just it. like our body needed a day, even though like we had to still do things that day. But like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it, it was a lot. So we apologize yeah. for the delay on that, but it's here and it's a good one. And it's a long yep. one. Yep. So we aren't going to spend too much time chit-chatting in the beginning. We're going to no. get right to it. But I do need to give a shout out to our sponsor, Aaron Schmitz with Epic Mer- Mortgage. So uh, if you are looking to refinance or get a mortgage for property within Wisconsin or mm-hmm. Minnesota, please be sure to reach out to Aaron. His information is on our show notes, our website, Facebook, um, Instagram. He's all over our, our crap. <laughs> well, our, <laughs> our social. He's not going to be happy with that, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so please be sure to reach out to him. He's absolutely amazing. I just sent another lead to him the other day, um, and I'm super excited for them because I know they're just going to love him. So yeah. Um, so again, thank you, Aaron, for supporting our show. And uh, without further ado, Molly, I want to hear about your murder this week. All right. Okay. So here we go. So this case has been covered by many podcasts. So it's one that you might be familiar with. Um It's for sure one of the more unique cases out there. Um, It's one that has stuck with me through the years, so I knew I had to cover it. It is not a Wisconsin case, which I know is, I do a lot of Wisconsin cases, but it is Midwest. Okay. So we're not going too far, but let's just get started because there's no real good segue into Matthew Hoffman, the leaf killer. The leaf killer. Is he chopping down trees and slaughtering the leaves? Somewhat. Oh, my gosh, you guys. I just well, solved the case. You'll see. Oh, you'll see. I'm so excited. Okay. Okay. So it's hard to find a lot of information about Matthew's early life. He is born November 1st, 1980. He is the son of Robert and Patricia Hoffman, and he grew up in Warren area in Ohio. He did end up living solely with his mother, Patricia, when his parents got divorced in 1997. He went to East Knox High School and studied industrial electricity at Knox County Career Center after high school. As a kid, he didn't set off any major red flags. So he wasn't like a total, like, you know. Wackadoodle? Not a total wackadoodle. Um, He was a wackadoodle, but not like... Not like he wasn't waving red flags, okay? Um, He would get into, like, typical teenage trouble, like going up on roofs with friends, you know, kind of police being like, get down from there, you know? Oh, sunny. Get in trouble for that. He would kind of of goof off, like jump off of roofs onto trampolines, you know, things like, you know. All things I've done. Um, but nothing that would make you think, man, that kid is going to be on a lot of podcasts later in life for something (laughs) awful that he does. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, neighbors would say that as a child, Matthew did seem a little sadder off, but they couldn't 
really describe it, that he just seemed maybe lost. You know, but his parents got divorced, right? So it could have been attributed to that. He didn't have a lot of friends because he was a little strange and different. Um, he was a bit of a loner, and that continued even into his adult life. He liked to do, just like to spend time on his own. And one of his favorite activities was to go into the woods and sleep. What? Yep. Just go into the woods and sleep. Like so, in a tent? Or well, just... no, yeah, kind of. Not just go for hikes and bird watch, just sleep. Not like your typical camping either. He would just grab a sleeping bag and a few things and just go sleep. Okay. Yep. So in the year 2000, Matthew was living out in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, which is where his grandmother lived. He was working as a plumber's helper. While he was there working, Matthew would often work the easier jobs alone. His boss would just kind of send him off on those easy jobs. Um, his boss said of Matthew that he was quiet, kept to himself, but that he was a bit strange. So, you know, everyone just kind of said of this guy, he was just kind of the weird guy, right? Everyone's got a weird guy. It's just kind of a weird mm-hmm, guy. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was there, he was living at DeBarque Hotel, which was like a r- low rent kind of, you know, okay. kind of hotel where, sure, you know, people lived that didn't have a lot of money, basically, sure. while they were there working. One time, however, he decided to live in one of his client's condos while it was un- unoccupied. He was working on Unit 7 there, and he knew the owner wasn't around, so he made himself at home. We call that a squatter? Yep. He ended, even ended up taking some of the belongings, including clothing, um, a Suburban. Wait a second. Clothing? Clothing. Clothing. Is that a new version yeah. of clothing? Clothing, okay. a, the Suburban, <laughs> and a mounted Cougar. Like he took his car, like yeah. his truck? Yeah, he just kind of helped himself to stuff. Holy moly. But a mounted Cougar, right? What? And okay. then he torched the place. Oh, my God. Because he didn't want to leave any evidence. So he took two gas cans into the condo, soaked the place, and set it on fire at 3 a.m. while other residents were still in their units. Oh, my gosh. Everyone did get out safely, but there was over $2 million in damages, and 16 people had to evacuate in the middle of the night. What a jerk. So right away, they knew this was suspicious since they knew that Unit 7 was unoccupied, Mm -hmm. and it was started with an accelerant. Interesting. So they were like, mm. you know, doesn't it doesn't just start on its own. It's funny because I think he probably would have been able to keep up that charade longer if oh, he yeah. wouldn't have started it on fire. Right, right, exactly. Okay. So they spoke with the owner of Unit 7 who told them that they hadn't been there, but the only person that they knew had entered the unit recently had been a plumber because they were having worked on Damn plumbers. So Matthew's company provided the investigators with his information and also informed them that Matthew hadn't shown up for work in the past few weeks either. Well, yeah, he didn't need to eat a suburban and a... Yeah, he was, living his, he was living his condo life. He was all set. Jeez. So uh, when investigators got to Matthew's motel room, they found a large Welcome to Steamboat Springs highway sign. Okay. <laughs> which was worth over $5,000. Oh, wow. And also two more highway signs. And they knew that Matthew wasn't there anymore. These signs had been reported stolen and missing recently. Apparently, Matthew had borrowed a friend's pickup truck, stolen the signs, and returned the truck without telling his friends what he had done. Why, you might ask, would someone do this? Well, he wanted to have a souvenir of his time there in Colorado. Interesting. Yeah. They did eventually catch Matthew, and while being asked about the signs, he did admit to the arson as well. So he was sentenced to eight years in prison, but only ended up serving six on good behavior. 
He said he was so sorry. Oh, so sorry. He put so many people in danger, and he was very apologetic. Matthew was also very well liked in prison. He was nice, and the inmates really liked him. They all assumed that he was just a really young guy that made a mistake and served his time that they wouldn't hear from him again. It happens. You know, you know, you know, I said, you know, when you set a condo complex on fire and you feel bad about it. We have all been there. Oh, certainly. You know, when you're young and dumb. That's such a stupid mistake. I said, well, his prison buddies couldn't have been more wrong about Matthew. (laughs) His prison buddies. (laughs) You know, his prison chums. So in 2007, Matthew went back to Ohio. Obviously, Colorado didn't work out so well for him. He's like, oh, oopsie-daisies. On to a new state, eh? Yep, let's go back to Ohio. Um, He moved back in with his mom for a bit to get back on his feet. And then in 2009, he bought his own home in Mount Vernon, which was in central Ohio. He got a loan to buy his deteriorating house, which was located at 49 Columbus Road um, in Mount Vernon for 37 thousand five hundred i'm gonna have to just one second sorry about that we have all of our children in the house there's there's 20 of them it feels like the one husband is no match (laughs) no so we had to just take a quick break but got it um, let's but yeah jump back into it so anyways yeah so he um got a loan to buy his first house which i'm glad that we're talking about that because a lot of people always say to me, they're like, I can't afford to buy a house. If this dude that was in jail for, what, six years? For, for arson. For arson. Got a, got a loan can, to get a even house. Even if it is a fixer-upper or whatever, yeah. he got a loan to buy a house. Yep. You can buy a house. You can do it. So be sure to reach out to Badger Realty Team. Granted, it was 2007 and houses were Shh. different then. Ooh, that was 2007. Wasn't that right before the... That was when things were, it was easy to buy a house, remember? Mm-hmm. And then it became the crash because everybody right. that shouldn't have been buying houses was buying That's right. Okay. Yep. Whoops. Forget everything Don't I just worry said. about anything. Mm-hmm. It's because of this guy. <laughs> so Matthew was making friends. He So this is when Matthew, it was looking good for old Matthew, okay? He was making friends. He had a girlfriend who had a younger son who moved into Matthew's new house. And the neighbors seemed to like Matthew. Um. They would see that younger son of his girlfriend outside playing with the other neighbor kids. They There was a next-door neighbor named Donna who would even let her kids have sleepovers there because of the younger mm-hmm. son and everything. Um, and Matthew would help pick up her daughter and give rides home sometimes, you know. If, you know, oh, if, so he seems like a tough nut So, like, dude. right, like he was helpful, you know. So, you know, things were going pretty good. But eventually, you know, you can't keep that up forever. Word. Eventually, Matthew's attitude and demeanor started to change. Why? His girlfriend was seen outside less and less, and Donna's daughter said that Matthew was starting to make her feel uncomfortable and had drove her down some side streets on the way home one time. Oh. So Donna cut ties with the Hoffman household. Eventually, Matthew and his girlfriend broke up, and her her son moved out. Oh, good. I'm glad they got away from whatever was coming. Matthew lost his job as a part-time tree trimmer. Oh. More trees. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lost his job as a part-time tree trimmer. Yep. Huh. And then he was also let go of a lawn service job after only a few weeks on the job for job performance reasons. How? How? I mean, I can mow a lawn. I don't know. I his um, employers and coworkers just always said he was quiet and odd and never thought of him as dangerous, but he was just not someone that they wanted representing the company. Ah, I get that. So he was just 
a weird guy. Yeah, well, sometimes he knows. Um, yeah. After his girlfriend moved out and he lost his jobs, Matthew cut the electricity to his house. He cut it? Yep. Donna also reported seeing squirrel traps in the yard, which he presumed was for him to trap, cook, and eat. Oh. So another super fun thing that he would do, he would climb trees, sit in them, and watch people in the neighborhood for hours. Oh. So he's just sitting up in trees watching people for Can hours. Can you imagine how weird that must have been to be like walking down your sidewalk and you look up and there's just some weird dude staring down from me from a tree yep. just watching you. I don't think I'd leave my home. Yeah. Well, that exactly. Donna kept her kids inside anytime that she knew that Matthew was outside. She, so her weird. kids weren't allowed outside. You go from like especially since yeah, she to... knew that her daughter was feeling uncomfortable around him and stuff. Very weird. Yes. Okay. When his ex-girlfriend came back to the house to get some things, it's reported that they got into a big fight and he started to choke her. Uh-oh. Then fell over a chair and then he used his forearms to pin her neck. Oh, God. She did call the police and report the incident but decided not to press charges. Damn it. Which is too bad because you wonder if maybe. If she would have, maybe none of this, whatever or this who is. knows. Who knows, right? Know. Yeah. Um. But it's it's thought of maybe she just wanted to cut ties. She didn't want to keep having to be brought back into situations with him. Yeah. But about two weeks after him choking his ex-girlfriend is when he planned a robbery. And that's the reason that he is on this podcast. Oh, okay. So he claimed to randomly choose Tina Herman's home because he noticed that she didn't close the garage door all the way and it was in a private area. So her garage door is actually said to have been kind of broken so it went completely shut. That's why it's always important to make sure you get your tracks fixed and uh, make sure that the, the motor in the, in, the, in, the, in the overhead door is working. Yeah. Yes. So That's Tina, yes, exactly. Make sure things get shut. <laughs> Tina was a mother of two, a daughter, Sarah, who was 13, and a son, Cody, who was 11. She was divorced from Larry, and they had a pretty good co-parenting relationship with one another. Larry said Tina was one of those people that people just loved, and they really did get along well, and Tina got along with everyone. You know, she did light up a room, which you hate to hear because you know that that, what that means and something like this. Um, they did share custody of the kids until Larry moved away from the area for work, and he remarried and had a son with his new wife. Okay. So she had custody of the kids, basically. Okay. Tina had moved into the new this new home with a man named Greg, um, and they were actually in the process of separating. They weren't married or anything, but they were, you know... They had been dating for a while, but they were in the process of kind of separating. But she loved this home. It was in a private area. It was down a very quiet street across from a wooded area that was peaceful and great for the kids. While she was living in this home, she became really good friends with a woman who lived down the street named Stephanie Sprang. Stephanie also had three kids of her own, and the two became quickly super close, and people would describe them as best friends. And they went and had wine together, went shopping, they just hung out all the time, and she knew that she could count on Stephanie for anything. Since um, Tina was basically a single mother other than, you know, Greg, but they were separating, Stephanie helped out with the kids a lot, and, you know, they were just very super close. Um... So Tina and Greg were separating. She was going to be looking for an apartment or even a home in the same area since she loved the area so much. And Stephanie was going to be helping Tina with the search. 
Tina also worked at the local Dairy Queen, and she loved her job, and her co-workers loved Tina. She was always happy, upbeat, loved coming into work, and was a joy to be around. On the morning of November 9, 2010, Matthew had spent the night in that peaceful wooded area across the street from Tina's home. Ugh. For some unfortunate reason, Matthew had chosen Tina's home as the home he was going to break into and rob. So he packed up his sleeping bag and some supplies and had camped out and been watching and stalking the home in Apple Valley, Mount Vernon. <clears throat> After parking his car a mile away and walking there, he waited for everyone to go that day before letting himself in through the garage door that was broken and not shutting all the way. Greg left for work around 3, 3 a.m. that day and wasn't planning on coming home for a few days. He had work and then he was actually going to be staying overnight at a friend's house because they were doing like a golf like work thing or something mm -hmm. like that. So he wasn't planning on being home for a few days. He didn't, I'm, um, Matthew didn't know that, but it kind of worked out that he wasn't planning on coming home. Okay. Then the kids left for school and Tina left the house as well. That's when Matthew made his move and entered the home. Matthew spent hours inside the home once everyone had left, just walking around, touching their belongings, which he later admitted really excited him. He enjoyed being in other people's homes when they weren't there and being able to touch and hold their items. That is not typical behavior for a break and entry and robbery. Usually, you go in, get what you want, and get out. Obviously, Matthew had other plans. He said he was there looking for things of value, but that also doesn't make sense because there were many things in plain sight that he could have just taken and gotten out. It wouldn't take hours for him to find things to take. Tina arrived home after a few hours after running a few errands later that morning, and Matthew was still there. Oh, boy. When Matthew heard Tina arrive home, he went and hid in one of the back bathrooms. Tina came into her home where she felt safe and the home that she loved so much and put her groceries down in the kitchen, went back into her bedroom, and then found Matthew where he would pull a knife on her. Oh, God. Matthew said that, I tried to hit her a few times in the head, but it would not knock her out. It wasn't doing the job, and I started to panic. Then Stephanie walked in, oh, and no. she started to scream. Matthew then stabbed Tina two times in her back and chased Stephanie out of the bedroom before stabbing Stephanie <gasps> in the chest and then many more times after she was dead. Oh my God. That is according to Matthew. People who know Stephanie do not believe that Stephanie would have ran and that she would have tried to fight Matthew, which seems more likely since she was stabbed in the front in the chest instead yeah. of in the back. She was a fighter, a loyal friend, and she loved Tina. She would have done everything in her power to try to help and save her best friend. Matthew then said that he was in a total panic and shock of what he had just done and started to pace around the house realizing what he had just done. Trigger warning. Okay. During this time, he also needed time to think about his next plan and the dog would not stop oh, barking. Oh, no. So this is when he stabs the family's dog as well. Ugh. And he kills the family dog. So this guy is a real piece of shit. Um, the oh. dog would not stop barking, and obviously that was just going to draw more attention to the situation at hand. So now Tina, Stephanie, and the dog are all dead in the house. Jeez Louise. So he comes to the conclusion that he needs to dismember the women's bodies and destroy any evidence that's in the house. What? 
So he drags both Tina and Stephanie's body into the master bedroom bathrooms and started to dismember them. Oh, my God. Unfortunately, while he's doing this, Cody and Sarah no. arrive home from school. No. No. Sarah remembers walking in and that it was strange and quiet when they arrive home. Okay, so this is good. So Sarah lives. Okay. No dog was barking. No mom yelling hi when they got home. And then as Cody was about to take off his shoes, they say that they saw Matthew running towards them with a knife from down the hall. Cody tried to turn to run out the door, but Matthew got to him first. Cody was stabbed once in the back of the head. Oh, God. Sarah was able to run to her bedroom and hide. She didn't see exactly what happened to Cody. Unfortunately, though, Cody would see the same fate as what happened to his mom and Stephanie. He was also stabbed many more times after he was dead as well. That is just awful. But the one stab to the back of his head did kill him. Oh. So, I mean, it's sad that obviously that he got killed, but hopefully he didn't feel any pain. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Matthew said he had intentions to go into the bedroom to also kill Sarah, but once he was in there, he couldn't do it. He couldn't bring himself to do it. So instead, he put a pillowcase on her head, tied her up, and took her into the kitchen while he finished dismembering her entire family, including the dog. Oh. Sarah was in the kitchen just listening to noises that she had no idea what they were for oh, hours God. above her. Wait, but why didn't he kill her? He's... He oh. said he couldn't do it. Oh, oh I don't now know. you couldn't do it? I know. Oh, I know. Because I... He had other plans for Sarah the whole oh, time, I believe. God. Eventually, Sarah was loaded into Stephanie's Jeep along with many garbage bags. Sarah oh. said at the time she wasn't sure what was in the garbage bags, but there were a lot of them. They then drove for a little bit, then stopped. Matthew left Sarah in the Jeep for what felt like hours. Sarah reported while Matthew took garbage bags with him. When, Sarah, when Matthew returned, he moved Sarah to his Yaris and then took Sarah to his house. All the while, Matthew was threatening Sarah that there were other people involved. And because of all the stopping and going and switching of vehicles, Sarah wasn't sure what to believe. And, and she didn't try to escape when she was just sitting Mm-mm. in there? She's tied up. Okay. Matthew told her that he, there were other people watching her. And that if she tried to run, she'd be killed. Usually that is not the truth. She's 13. No, I know. I'm just letting for future anyone right. listening. That's usually bullshit, and if you're, if you, if they want you to sit tight, yeah, they're probably going to kill you anyway. So yeah, might as well just gamble. Yeah, that's my advice on that because it happens so often to me. Yeah, that's a joke. It doesn't. It doesn't. So once inside Matthew's house, um, she was tied up in the bathroom. Inside, she saw doodles all around the room, including a weird face around the faucet at the sink, and also hundreds of leaf bags piled up around the room. Leaf bags in the house, piled up. Wondering about this, she asked what the bags of leaves were everywhere, and Matthew told her it was for insulation. Which, if you remember, he cut the electricity in his house a while back, so that probably was actually part of what it was for, maybe. Okay. Still super strange. Sarah was trying to get on Matthew's good side, though, so she just started to make small talk with him, Gave him compliments on the drawing and just tried to be kind with him because she had no idea what his plan or thoughts or what the heck was going on with this guy. Okay. Um, 
When he left, he tied her up, left her on the floor, and told her he had someone outside watching, and if she tried to leave, they would kill her. So she went as in survival mode, so she did what she was told. She had no idea if he was telling the truth or not. Um, remember, she's only 13, and she has no idea where her family is and if they're still alive or if they're dead. Ugh, this makes my heart hurt. I know. When he got back, he took her down to his cold, unfinished basement. Matthew had made a bed for Sarah out of blankets and leaves. Hmm. The basement had no windows, so there was no way to know if it was day or night, which made Sarah lose all track of time down there. Matthew later told investigators that Sarah actually really liked the bed, and it was very comfortable, and he sometimes slept with her on it with his arm around her. Oh, right. That is not what Sarah had to say about her time in the basement. Obviously, she did not like it. It was softer than the bathroom floor, but it was cold, dark, moist, and creepy. Moist, huh? Well, yeah. You had to throw a moist in, in a, there. In Ohio um, basement. Yeah. I know. It's just funny because people don't like that moist. word. And you're just sitting here busting it yeah. out like it's nothing. Sometimes Matthew would come downstairs and just stare at Sarah Gross. in silence without saying anything and then go upstairs. Oh, God. Sarah tried to st- just stay quiet and not upset Matthew because, again, she had no idea what his plan was. So she just tried to lay yeah. low and not upset him at Smart. all. Smart. For a 13-year-old. Smart. Yep. She didn't know, you know, if she would scream, if it would, like, anger him. Yeah. You know, she just was trying just to. Yeah, and what, there's not a whole lot you can do down there. Right. What is she going to do? There's no windows. It's pitch yeah. black. Like, what is she right. going to do? Um, and he had, like, duct taped her hands, too, so she couldn't, like, Jeez crawl. Louise. She couldn't do anything. She was tied up. Um, Matthew, he wrote a letter for his confessions and stuff. He actually believes that Sarah enjoyed his time, oh her, my this God. time with him. According to him, they hung out, watched movies like Iron Man 1 and 2 and Treasure Island, and also played video games and ate hamburgers. He washed her clothes, and he let her shower, too. That is according to Matthew. That's not actually what happened. He raped her. Oh, God. While she was trapped and kidnapped at Matthew's house. Tina, Cody, and Stephanie were reported missing. Tina never showed up for her shift at Dairy Queen on November 11th, which wasn't like her, so her manager called the police since no one could get a hold of her. An officer went by the house. The driveway was empty, and then he kept on driving by since, you know, nothing was out of the ordinary. There was no reason to stop. Okay. When he came back around later that evening, her truck was actually back in the driveway now. The lights were on in the house, and so he thought things must be fine, so he didn't stop. Interesting. So November 12th came around, and Tina still didn't show up for work. So her manager went to Tina's house to check on Tina herself. Okay. When she knocked, no one answered, and she was so worried about Tina. At this point, she broke into Tina's house through a window, and then she saw the gruesome scene inside and called the police. Police found blood everywhere throughout the home, especially in the front room, the master bedroom, the master bathroom, Sarah's room, and drag marks throughout the hallways. They also found oil and bleach over some of the blood, almost like the attacker Matthew tried to clean up a bit, but then he also gave up because there was just so much. So much, yeah. They also found shoe prints in the puddles of blood and kind of tracked around, a pair of gloves in the bathroom sink, and a bottle of bleach. Okay. A Jeep Cherokee was parked in the garage with weeds and, like, the tires and, like, part of the vehicle, like, it was, like, driving through, like, tall weeds, Mm -hmm. kind of, you know what I mean, how it would get stuck in there. Sure. Um, and blood stains inside, and they discovered that this 
vehicle actually belonged to Stephanie, who also hadn't been seen or heard from in days as well. The police also discovered that Cody and Sarah had been missing from school for two days. After all of this evidence, it was decided that they needed to launch a full-size missing persons investigation to find Tina, Cody, Sarah, and Stephanie. Which also, if all these people are missing, I'm like, why did it take so long no to be kidding. like, like the kids are gone for yeah. two days, like Stephanie's gone, yeah. Tina's gone, but okay. With everything they had found, especially the amount of blood detectives were thinking the worst, obviously. Mm-hmm. One thing that did give them hope, however, one child-sized shoe print in the garage of uh, was found, and it was of an airwalk boot, and it was Sarah's boot. So they thought maybe, possibly, Sarah could still be alive. Okay. So they were really hopeful maybe they could at least find her. Tina's truck was found abandoned the day after the murders with empty gas cans near Keaton College campus. They also saw a strange man just standing around in a Yaris in a parking lot nearby just watching. Oh, boy. Police asked the man who he was. excuse me, Matthew cooperated and showed him his driver's license and told him he was just waiting for his girlfriend named Sarah. Uh Uh-oh. And that he couldn't tell police what Sarah's last name was because they had just started newly dating. I usually know my boyfriend's or any dude's last name. Right, and um, Matthew, you also can't tell Sarah's last name because she's 13 and you're not dating and She's locked in your basement, and you just <laughs> killed her whole family, and you're a crazy person. That, too. I There's was, also that. I was thinking more yeah. along the lines of, like, it seems like a normal thing to know. Right. But you're right. right. There's also There's that. There's also that. Yeah. They, I mean, but, you know, at that time, they had really had no reason to question him further, because that's a pretty regular run. And he's like, oh, I'm just waiting for my girlfriend. I guess so, yeah. I mean. I mean, I don't know what, I don't know if I would have, if I were an investigator, and he said Sarah. I know it's a common name and everything, but I. My, my ears would have gone up a little bit on that because yeah. that's who they're looking for is a Sarah. And then this guy just happens to be waiting but for a Sarah. this was on um, the day after the murders. Oh, they, so they hadn't, didn't know yet. They didn't know oh, yet. I apologize. Yep. Okay. Yep. So I went back a little bit. So, okay. but they did, they made a note of this um, run in. So okay. they wrote, you know, they wrote down Matthew Hoffman waiting for a girlfriend named Sarah Yaris. You know, they made a note of this little run-in. Interesting. Okay. Yep. Good, good. Um, Yeah. So they let him go. So, see, he had actually driven Tina's truck to fill the gas cans to burn down Tina's house to destroy all the evidence. Oh, we're going back to that route. Yep. Okay. But it was having transmission issues. Good. So... Remember how he likes to burn things? Remember Colorado? So instead, he had to abandon that plan, and he went back to his house, got his Yaris to come back, but he got there, and police were there. Oh, no. Yep. So instead, then he went back home. He burnt his shoes, clothes, you know, whatever whatever else that night, yeah. right, in a bonfire. So he was hoping that he kind of got rid of all the evidence that he needed to from that night. Okay. But he didn't. He left something else behind at Tina's house in the garage. He had left a Walmart bag that had a receipt, tarps, and a new box of heavy-duty garbage bags that were different from other bags that they had in their home. Police found this bag and contacted Walmart to go through their records to find who had purchased these items. They found the person, a medium-billed, Dark-haired, white male who drove a silver Yaris. Oh, boy. Sound familiar? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Another easy way that they were able to identify him in the surveillance video for Walmart, this man was wearing a camo shirt. It was the same shirt in the driver license photo that Matthew Hoffman was wearing. Um, wow. But he also, loves leaves and camo sure and trees. Does, but if he was wearing camo, how would they have been able to see him? Uh, Walmart. I don't know. Science. I don't know, but he just really loves the outdoors. He just, I don't know. I don't know if he quite got what I said. So they there. saw that. Did you get what I meant? The camel, because how can they see him? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you didn't seem very interested in my joke. That's yeah. fine. I'm sure someone out there is laughing. Everyone. Jerica is. Everyone. They also saw the note that he was loitering around Tina's truck and that he said he had a girlfriend named Sarah. Oh, boy. It's all So all these things him. added up, and he was their prime suspect. On November 14th, they acquired a no-knock, no-notice warrant and raided Hoffman's home. Get him. For bringing him, to bring him in for questioning. SWAT officers threw flash grenades in to disorient him and surprise Matthew, who was there in his home, but he was just, like, sleeping on the couch. So, like, <laughs> he was, like, totally unaware of this. And, like, I don't even think Seems that that extreme. really. It was a little extreme. Because, like, I don't think that that even did anything because he was sleeping. So, I don't think it, like. Yeah. But once inside the room, to the right of the entrance, it was covered in leaves three feet deep. They had no idea what to make of this. The officers that went in, they were worried because they're like, there could be bodies hidden there, either either like dead or alive, like waiting to attack them or like the oh, bodies yeah. they're looking for could be in there right, too. Yeah. So like they had no idea what to make of this. They also found three... Floor to ceiling rows of bagged leaves hanging from the living room walls, and the bathroom was insulated by 110 bags of leaves. It, I mean, it. I'll post later, but like the images of this guy's home, it's it's like you're outside. It's just like leaves everywhere. It's just <laughs> so it's weird. just bizarro. It's just the craziest. I I just don't understand. But they did eventually find Sarah alive in the basement. She was kind of in like a crawl space area. She was wearing a garbage bag with holes cut out for her legs, sort of like an adult diaper kind Aww. of thing. And like she was wet from like her waist down to her knees because she hadn't been able to use the bathroom. Um, oh and her gosh. legs and her arms were bound with rope and she was also gagged. God, but hey, they were watching movies together and having a great old time. Right, so happy. exactly. What a dick. Yeah, Matthew had told her that he would let her go by Christmas, but I doubt he ever had plans for oh, that. Oh, 100% did not. But thank God that she was found. Sarah goes on to say that Matthew never cooked for her like he said that he did. They never watched movies, played games. She never got to shower and he was... And that she was given cereal with curdled milk and that she tried to eat some of it because she never... She didn't know if she would get something else to eat. Oh, once she was finally freed, she asked the police to take her to school because she was fearing that she would miss out on her studies. Oh, my gosh. So that's the kind of incredible person that she was. Oh. Or she is. I mean, she's still alive. Yeah. But, like, that's, you know, like, she was, yeah. like, worried that she was missing out on school. Now, at this point, did she know that her whole family was dead? No. Oh, God. No. Ugh. The police also found gloves inside Matthew's home that matched the gloves found in Tina's home in the bathroom sink. These gloves were bought on November 8th. Okay. He also ordered a knife, which is the same knife he used to murder Tina, Stephanie, Cody, and the dog a week before the murders. So he was planning this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And for what reason? There's no reason behind this. No nope. motive. Just, just never gives. He never gives a reason. So awful. 
I honestly, I think it was to abduct Sarah. I mean, I get that. Because if, but like, it, it, I think that he was trying to groom his neighbor's daughter. Yeah, and that's very possible, and I could see that. It's just like, God, he went to some serious extremes. Oh, yeah, he did. For an abduction. Yeah, he sure did. He's a very twisted, sick. He has bags of leaves in his house. He's You're a right. weirdo. You're right. Never going um, get leaves the same way again. Yeah. Matthew stayed pretty quiet during the, his interrogation, except for one outburst where he seemed to almost sign that he was, like, heartbroken. He was, like, beating his chest. And they're like, are you sad? Or... or and then he like wouldn't say anything. He was he it was a very weird interrogation. He wouldn't say anything. Then on November sixteenth, he finally opened up to Special Agent Joe Dees. He wasn't being recorded when he started to talk. He was actually in the bathroom with him at the time. And then and he said that he had a nightmare and that he was probably ready to start talking. But he did have a request. He wanted to write everything down on a piece of paper, and then detectives could read it. But then they would let him go and that he would run away in an attempt to escape custody. But then they would shoot him dead. <laughs> um, they were like, I don't, I don't think so, Matthew. We're going we're gonna to pass on that. The mind nah. of this man yeah, right. is just gone. <laughs> so, so Matthew stayed quiet for a few more days. They passed on that. They're like, nope, but thanks anyways. So um, then Matthew said he was threatened that he was going to kill himself because he didn't want to live in jail the rest of his life and live with what was going to, he had to be done what he did, you know. Well, then that don't he, do stupid right, shit. Well, right, and that he was going to be injected with Thorazine, which was a schizophrenia drug, and he called himself a monster, so at least he recognized that he was an awful yeah. human. Yeah, but. But anyways, two days later. Matthew finally told officials about a 60 to 65 foot hollowed out tree near the Fredrickson Reserve with an opening about 35 feet up in the air. It's there that he used a rig with a lever system to put all the garbage bags into it. Holy moly. That he had dismembered the parts of Tina, Cody, and Stephanie and their dog, and they were all inside the tree. Oh my God. They would have never, never found, found this. Never. Never found this. That's so crazy. I mean, clever. Yep. He gave that information up in turn to be spared the death penalty because Ohio is a death penalty state. Which is funny because right. didn't he, he want to die? He did, but he, did, he suddenly decided he no longer wanted to die. That's interesting. So he gave a detailed confession and pleaded guilty. In addition to the murder charges, he was charged with aggravated burglary, rape, kidnapping, tampering with evidence, and abuse of a corpse. He received nine years for each of his guilty pleas to burglary, kidnapping, and rape, four years for tampering with evidence, and 11 months for abuse of a corpse. The sentences run concurrent with the life sentence for murder. Not surprisingly, life sentence without the possibility of parole. He's never getting out. I mean. Damn straight. Obviously. Um, yeah. If trees gave him comfort at all and were, were familiar at all, that would explain why he would put the bodies in trees, said Dr. James Allen Fox of Northeastern University, who's written five books about serial killers. They're saying that, like, yeah. maybe he had, maybe like he was trying to, I don't know, but there's something about trees, obviously, in him. Um, so Sarah went to go live with her dad, which, um, oh. yeah. Which was actually a sad thing. She suffered a little abuse with her dad, too. That's um, too bad. Yeah. 
I didn't really write too much about that. She got pushed down the stairs by her stepmother. What a cunt. And her dad punched her in the back, or it might have been fuck? vice versa. Yeah, it was... Like, she hadn't been through enough. And this was, like, very recently afterwards, too. Oh, fuck that. So she went on, though. Um, is she good now? She's okay. Okay. I think. <laughs> Molly, she's okay. I try to actually find, there's not much out there right now about her. Like, I yeah. think that she's trying to live, like, a quiet life. Well, I hope that she's happy and um, healthy and okay. Yeah. Gary Ludwig, a supervisor with Ohio's Division of Wildlife, confirmed that the department did cut down the birch tree to prevent it from becoming a sightseeing thing mm-hmm. that the bodies were in. Mm-hmm. Um, during Hoffman's trial, Sarah requested that she make a statement to him in court. However, she was advised not to. According to her, I wanted to tell him that I wasn't scared of him. I just wanted to live my life. In the days and years following the loss of her family, Sarah has spoken out about the ordeal in hopes of potentially helping future victims survive. Should they ever find themselves kidnapped, she has also vowed to live a happy, fulfilled life just like her mother always wanted. So that's just kind of, you know, she spoke out a little bit, but it's yeah. not like tons. Yeah. Um, so why did Matthew Hoffman even do this? It doesn't, so this is kind of, it doesn't appear like it was a robbery gone wrong in my eyes. No, no. I mean, look at what he did when he went into the home. Look at how long he was in the home. His attorney tried to make it seem like it was random, but there was no way that this was random. No way. It was planned. It was also later discovered that Matthew was part of the same gym that Stephanie actually worked at as a cleaning crew. And then there were some other really weird coincidences that like Tina... Like, through Facebook, they had some connections, like, that he had done some plumbing thing. There were some other really weird connections. Wow. Um, Authorities also believe that Matthew could have been collecting all these leaves in his own home to help those as an accelerant to burn down his own house, to burn any evidence. So who knows? And we'll never know because he won't say. He still says that he was just really going in there to rob the house. What a line sack of shit. Right. So... Here's some information about Tina's house. Um, Tina's house was bought b- was bought in 2013 by the Mongatories. According to an article, they had seen photos of the house. Um, they knew what happened in the house. They could even tell you where each victim was killed. Great. Um, but back then, and Tom, the you know the guy of the household, I don't know the the her yeah. boyfriend. No, no, no. Tom, the guy that bought the house, Tom, oh. said that he had even volunteered to help search for the bodies back then, you know, when they were when it, they oh. were missing people. Well, whatever happened to her boyfriend? Nothing? Never, he was ruled out as a suspect well, pretty I knew quickly. That part, and, but I just didn't know. No. Nothing on no, him? No, nothing okay. on him. He never came him. up in anything I ever read about. Okay. I think he's just kind of like... Well, shit. I went, well, shit. went out with my buddies and my whole life was destroyed. Yeah, I mean, oh. they were breaking up. I mean... They were breaking up? Greg and Tina were, yeah, they were separating. I still don't think that that's, I still don't think, I'm sure that was really hard on him, though. Oh, I'm sure it was awful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, I mean, if you're separating and you weren't married, I mean, I guess it's like. That's why, that's what I love about it. You can just leave. I mean, you can. (laughs) But, yeah. Anyways, Tom had helped to search for the bodies. Okay. Um, and his wife, Bonnie, said, you know, at first with you, I was a little leery. It was weird the first night living there. Um, but, um, the house is a three bedroom, 1,600 square foot house. It did sit empty for a while. Um, but 
you know, neighbors in the area were actually pretty happy to see people moving back into the house and, you know, because it was just kind of weird because yeah. you look at it, you know what happened there. Um, the bank ultimately decided to turn the house over to the local Habitat for Humanity chapter who helped kind of, you know, clean it up and basically yeah. get it back ready for people to live in. Um, and at first a single mother took over the house, but then the Habitat found this other couple um, who were living in a rundown farmhouse. Um, and Bonnie said, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me, how could you live there? And she said, it's not the house's fault. It was the guy that was just so mean and hateful and awful that did this. Yeah. So, I yeah, mean. never punish the house. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it did have a family live there afterwards. So. Okay. Well, there's good. that. And then as far as I can tell, Matthew's house, which no murder actually happened at Matthew's house, but. You know, but it was full of leaves. But it was full of leaves, and Sarah was there. Mm -hmm. um, but and that was forty nine Columbus Road, Mount Vernon, Ohio. It's currently off the market, from what I can tell, but it it's still a home. Um, it was last sold for seventy five thousand dollars in twenty twenty one. It's a five bed, two bath, and a little over two thousand square foot home. Were so there, were there any photos from the last MLS online? Uh huh. Were it looks. Were Normal. The, were the leaves in there? The leaves are not in there. I was mm. like, I know. I, yeah. If I were that listing agent, I might have put just a bag of leaves in there. Just, just to be like in the middle of yeah. the, yeah. No, but I mean, as far as I can tell, I, I was kind of like, for some reason in my mind, I'm like, they, they definitely tore that house down, but they didn't. No. It is still there. It's interesting. I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, given the what happened in that house, like how gruesome it was. Well, I mean, for Tina's house, yeah. yes. I and, and again, and for like, his, oh yeah, for and then and then for Matthew's yeah. house, just how weird and like what yeah. happened there, and like there's like the history, but they they tore they took down that tree. Yeah. So the tree is the one that got the poor tree is the one that got trees. Like I'm just here during those. Um, I just the one thing I have to say is like I know I hope that he's sitting in jail. Just desperately missing his leaves. Just think of all the trees he can't climb in jail. Like just sitting in there, his cinder block walls. Just no nature. No nature whatsoever. Yeah. That is the best thing in the entire world. Like that, that's justice. I know. So yeah, this is a very weird case. Yep. But I loved it. I don't love, oh God, I hate when I say that. I don't love what happened. Right, like I said. But it is super interesting and it goes to show you how freaking nuts people can be. Yeah. Like, like I said, this is such a weird case, and like, it is such a weird case, and, for, and for you no have reason. to look at pictures of this house like, too with the leaves and everything have to all share around them for us because I'm excited to look yeah. at those. But yeah, yeah, what a crazy thing to happen! And again, just reminder, everyone, anyone could be watching you at any time. So keep your doors locked. Make sure your garage door is shut. Yep, and trust no one. And look up make sure there's no one watching and, you oh, from the you trees see someone watching you from a tree just take that as a red flag and move throw away. a rock at him <laughs> Ooh. yeah while he's just jumping straight to that you throw a rock at that person that's great they should not be watching you from a tree yeah yeah well thank you for that molly yeah yeah and uh so if you are a real estate agent wow i just lost my train of thought um i'm all stuck on this throwing of rocks at people that are in trade thing right adam um if you're a real estate agent and you're looking to partner with uh home is where the murder is please reach out to us um if you have any comments questions or concerns you can always email us at home is where the murder is at gmail.com check out our website www.homeiswherethemurderis.com we are also on facebook and on instagram and i think that's the only places we are i'm here 
here too. I'm and here Molly's in real here life. And you can. I'm in the real life. Sometimes it's been. That's the same. Like there's been a lot going on lately. We're, we're still struggling. So thanks for listening today, and we hope you enjoyed it. And we cannot wait to talk to you again soon. Keep it real. Wow. <laughs>